0: Welcome back to Sundry Thoughts Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, and I'm excited to bring you today's episode, which is getting out of our feelings. And each of one of us, the truth be told, has the unique challenge of getting out of our own way. And there is no greater element to that challenge, I think, in a lot of situations than getting out of our own feelings. And I've been seeing this so much lately on social media, the consequences of us being in our feelings as a society, But I want to encourage you at the top of today's episode, don't think so much about what's happening in society. Don't think so much about how someone else acts or how someone else feels. Think about you, because all that you can control is you. So in a few moments, we're going to jump straight into the scripture. We're going to jump straight into the topic, and we're going to talk about why we need to get out of our feelings and how it can benefit us. John chapter 4, verse 16. Let's read verse 16 through 18. Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, because thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that you said truly. Whoa. Verse 19, the woman said unto him, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, this is the truth of the matter. It is not particularly a nice thing. as according to our culture, especially for Jesus to tell this woman, you ain't got no husband. You got that right. <laughs> You've had five husbands and the one that you have now is actually not yours. You were definitely right when you said that. That's not <laughs> that's not nice, right? But here's the thing, Jesus was talking the truth. He was speaking the truth. And I would say in this particular uh scripture, we can easily perceive that okay, he's trying to do something here. He is trying to show her something here. I know some things about you woman. Why? Because in verse 19 she says, "Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet." And then later on when she uh she goes to the town, she says, "Listen, Come meet a man that told me all I ever did. So it was very strategic for Jesus to do that because look at what she said when she became the town's missionary. Come meet a man who told me all I ever did. All we know is that, you know, he said, listen, (laughs) you don't have five husbands, but that was enough apparently, or maybe he told her more that wasn't recorded. But either way, it was a good thing for him to say that maybe it wasn't super nice and cool and, you know, oh, that was so nice. But it was very important and it was the truth. He said, You've had five husbands. (laughs) And guess what? He could have told her some other nice things about her. He could have told her, you know, some childhood memory that was, you know, only she knew and it was so beautiful and it was nice and, you know, no one else was there. And so how could you know that? But he decided to just go with the flow and say, Go tell your husband. And, you know, he probably said that on purpose too, actually. I want us to understand this is important because if you get to the point where you say, I don't like the way you coming at me, and so now I'm going to stop this whole conversation, I'm going to stop this whole communication thing because I don't like what you said, I don't like how it impacts me, now you're missing something that happens later because Jesus is not being mean, Jesus is being honest, and he's going somewhere. That is the title of the book of communication, healthy communication, good communication. It is entitled, We're Going Somewhere. And if you can't stomach the truth, there's a movie, uh, A Few Good Men, where he said you can't handle the truth. Have we have we come to that point in our society where we can't get anywhere because we can't handle the truth? This is this is so sad. It's almost like you tell someone, "Listen, I don't believe that you know you can be anything other than what you were born as. You were born a man, so you're a man." And you're going to be a man today. You're going to be a man tomorrow. And you're going to be a man the day you die. Oh, you hate me because I'm a transgender woman. No, I just don't believe that. I don't believe that. Oh, you hate me. No. When did, when did I say that? <laughs> when, 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 when did I say that? Oh, you're a homophobe. When, when, when did I, when did I say I was a homophobe? When did I do anything that like would indict me as such? All I did was say something that was true. And a lot of you might be like, oh, yeah, amen. That's right, because I know I got a lot of Christians here listening. But guess what? That's just that's the same thing on another level. If someone tells you, hey, listen, you're not doing that good of a job. Let me tell you how you can do a better job. Oh, you don't like me. Whoa, (laughs) wait, wait wait a minute. When did I say I didn't like you? (laughs) I'm just I'm your boss and I'm trying to give you like some some constructive feedback. Oh, you never liked me. Whoa. He never said that. She never said that. They just said, listen, you're not doing a good job here. Let me help you do a better job. Telling the truth might feel violent. I mean, let's just be honest. It might feel a little violent, but it's not violence. It's going to help you. That's what getting shots are. When they give your baby a shot, they're literally stabbing them with something sharp. That's what they're doing. That's a fact. But they're still not harming them. It just looks that way. (laughs) And the same thing, if someone tells you something, you got to be mature enough. You got to you, you got to get yourself together and say, I am not going to ruin this entire communication exchange because I don't like the way I feel when you said that thing, especially when that person has given you no reason to believe they come in for you in a, you know, systematized way. And like, you got to you got to chill. Get out of your feelings because you will not be able to get to the other side of this communication attempt, which is Jesus saving you and your whole town and changing your life because you told me about myself. And now I don't like that. No, we don't need to do that. So let's go to the second scripture. Matthew, chapter 26. Let's look at verse 33. Similar, but it's a it's a little bit different. And we'll talk about it. Matthew, chapter 26. Let's look at verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Come on, Peter. Say that, right? Wrong. (laughs) Verse 34. Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto you, this night before the cock crow, you shall deny me thrice, three times. Peter says, listen, Jesus, I'm going to be rocking with you, man. I'm a rider. We doing this to the end, to the wheels fall off. Jesus says I hear you but here's the truth before the morning comes mm, you're going to deny me three times and we know the story that is indeed what happened and Peter left weeping because it was true now why did Christ say that I don't know honestly I can't perceive the reason as easily here maybe you can hit me up but here's the thing. It was true nonetheless. And I'm glad I can't perceive it because I wanted how I'm going to use my imperception to, to make this point. You don't always have to be able to perceive why someone said something that is true. I feel like sometimes we've we, we bought into this lie that the only thing that you can say that doesn't need a reason reason to be said is something that is nice. And that's not true. Truth is an in and of itself. It is okay for you to say something that is true because truth always helps me. That's why Jesus said he is the way and the truth and the life. And this is why when things are true, sometimes you just got to be like, you know what? It's a little bitter going down, but I can use it. And I'm, I'll give you an example Uh, I'll give you two examples. First, when I was in school, a lot of people who know me know that uh, I graduated with a degree in English. But what a lot of people don't know is that I actually started off a different major. And I'm not going to say he was the worst professor I ever had. He might have been the best. At the time, he was, to my thinking, the worst one on the planet. It was freshman English, and he would destroy every paper I wrote. Everything I wrote was horrible I got fifty fives. I got sixty twos. I'm talking about I was looking at this stuff like this is gold right here. And I actually went back and reread some of it like when I was a junior and I was a much better writer. And I was like, I'm saying some good stuff here. It ain't as good as I thought it was at the time, but it's pretty good, you know. And it still was just really bad, 62, 65. One time I was like, okay, I'm going to take all of his suggestions. I'm going to do everything he told me to do. And I'm going to write a still a really like, you know, kicking paper is going to be, it's going to be amazing, this paper. And this paper got like a 70. And I was like, yo, this guy hates me. He's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> He was a white professor, <laughs> but anyway, I I just couldn't understand though. That's really where I was. I was like, he must be a racist because this is like, I mean, how, I mean, what more can I do, <laughs> right? Um. So the funny thing is that he it was the best thing for me. That level of just, I mean, I mean, you should have saw the red on these papers, guys. So much red, so many X marks, so many cross outs one day I was like, listen, I need to know why don't you like my writing? And I said, I'm going to have a conversation with this guy. I mean, I had some, I had had some small ones, some after class, you know, and, you know, just real quick on my way to another class. But this time I said, no, I need to meet with you. We need to sit down and talk. And it was the best thing because in it, he revealed, Carl, I like your writing, but the purpose of this class is not to make you better at necessarily the things you're saying it's for you to put it in a format where it can be read at the college level so you need to indent you need to put more punctuation you need periods you're putting a whole lot of commas but those are comma splices because then as now i was long-winded he's like no you need to break this up a little bit because i'm trying to make you a better writer for a wider audience this ain't about you thinking is good It's about everyone else thinking is good because. Guess what? You're not writing to yourself. He said the content is okay. I actually really enjoy it a lot of the times, but that's not my job here. Now, how did that happen? That happened because I was willing to have a conversation with him. Do you know how demoralizing it is to get back paper after paper and in red ink? As a matter of fact, this is where we are as a society, right? They've actually, in a lot of schools, banned teachers from using red ink because red is such a like offensive color and i understand what they talk about because i remember getting those red marks and it's just something about the red but guess what take it stop being so in your feelings and just have a conversation why the red because when i had the conversation now we can build based upon the truth that yo the red is necessary because you don't need to say this whole sentence this is you flexing trying to sound nice get rid of it yo this whole sentence you need to break this up into three other sentences you didn't indent in these three different parts that's his job to do that it ain't got nothing to do with how i feel and you might say well he could have just been better if you know if he just explained a little bit more he was a little softer he was the reason i became an english major it was the challenge it was the i'm going to prove him wrong it was the conversation that says, listen, it ain't about what you're saying. It's about people ain't going to take what you're saying because I cannot understand it or I it's too much work for me to understand it because of these run ons, because of these mistakes, because of these errors, because of, you know, it not fitting to the convention. And so you have to understand, yo, I I need to I need to do what I need to do, regardless of how I feel. I need to do what I need to do regardless of what it feels like. The second example is, um, this is related to niceness, and I, and I want to say this quickly. I was watching a movie, Greenbrook, great movie, maybe not Academy Award winner worthy, even though it did win it, but it was still very good. And one of the things that hit me was in the 1960s when he was taking this tour down south, Arkansas, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, how nice the white people were to him the black musician they were so nice and they were very racist but they were nice (laughs) and this is i want you to understand language is not about being nice all the time it's about telling the truth because in one particular scene he could have saved a lot of time he could have saved a lot of embarrassment if the white man who was being nice to him would have told him the truth which was you can't eat here and i'm gonna let you know that now before you come you can play here because you can be our entertainment but you can't eat with us why didn't he say that maybe it's not nice to say that but that's the truth though and i could have saved myself a trip because i never would have came here to play if i can't eat here i hope you understand how language has something to do with truth and how truth has something to do with language there should be no difference between my language and the truth i want to be you know kind i want to be you know patient and I want to be concerned and I want to be charitable and I want to do what I can to what I can do to make sure you hear me if that means I got to put something a different way let me put that a different way if that means I can explain it a little a little bit differently maybe I got to go around the scenic way no problem let me do that because that's what charity is but also I am both the source and the recipient which means that like I got to do that I also have to as the recipient say to myself you have to say to yourself yo I need to make my way through this mess to get through the message I need to put down my arms when it comes to the impact I'm feeling and I need to lay those arms down and pick up uh, you know a magnifying glass cuz I need to see what you're saying cuz I don't want to miss the truth for my feelings the first reason it's important for us to get out of our feelings and thereby get out of our way is just what I said a few seconds ago. If we don't get out of our feelings, we will miss the truth. And, brothers and sisters, please hear me when I say that the truth has a myriad of benefits for you and for me. What I am not doing here is setting up a false dichotomy between the truth and your feelings. I am not saying that it is either the truth or it is either your feelings. It is certainly both and, but what I am attacking, what I am attacking most vociferously is the attitude that says that my feelings and the truth can coexist when my feelings are above the truth. That is not correct. The truth refuses to be subservient to anything else. Quite literally, the truth does not exist in any other place, but first place. It must be supreme or it must not be at all. This is why Donald Trump, even though he says he's the president and he feels like he's the president and he uses language that would pretend to the presidency. I do not engage him. I do not coddle him. I do not feel bad for him that he thinks that. I refuse to go with him there because the truth is, is that you are not the president. You lost the presidential election. That is the truth and you can say what you will about the media you can say what you will about whatever else whatever else you want these are facts he he lost the presidential election to Joe Biden so he's not the president now before you think i'm going off on a political tear and perhaps i was about to let me pull myself back this is literally everything this goes to any piece of reality it does not matter what you think the truth is going to be the truth and if you hold so tightly to your feeling that you demote the truth, what you are in fact doing is not only dangerous, it is wrong. And in essence, what you're doing is you're kicking the truth out and you're saying, My feelings got this. And here's where we arrive at point number one we're missing the benefits. And we need these benefits. These are vitamins that are essential for us to be better. Uh, I was, uh, if you listen to MLK on YouTube, go go and look at some of his interviews, I implore you. If you look at some, uh, some Malcolm X interviews, if you look at some interviews from James Baldwin, it will perhaps surprise you to hear that these men were talking aggressively about the Negro problem is what they called it, two white people in white spaces on public television and public radio. And as a matter of fact, they didn't even call it the Negro problem. That's what the, the nation called it at the time. Those three in particular, they would always frame it in a way to say, this is actually an American problem. They would all three of them hint at that in their own ways, especially MLK and James Baldwin. It was, this is an American problem. And they would say, This is what white people need to understand. And this and they would not be, you know, equivocating and using soft language. And, you know, they weren't dancing around anything. Why? Why is this important? Why is this? Why is this important? Why is this relevant? Because I'm trying to get at the fact that they were talking to the people who needed to hear the truth. The white journalist who was interviewing them. Yeah, you need to hear this. So I'm going to be as frank with you as possible. Not the other way around. Oh, but you know, what about his family members? What about, you know, his community? What if they think you're being disrespectful? I'm not doing any of that. And perhaps they knew that because, you know, they can talk before the recording starts. But I need to let you know, they weren't putting on a show for their black audiences. They weren't being like, oh, well, you know, because my people expect me to. No, I'm telling the truth and I'm here to do it. And because I'm here to tell the truth, I'm going to tell it and I'm not going to worry about, you know, your facial expression just now because the truth is what I was saying. And I need you to hear it. Because if anybody need to hear it, it's you because you have a constituency that you can go back and you can help us. And James Baldwin, a lot of the times, um, just as a sidebar, was saying. It's the white constituency that we need to come alongside us. Martin Luther King said it as well, we need y'all. And not in some very rhetorical way. we We need you in the struggle. And they were not pulling punches. They were quick to call out what they call white liberals who would speak to equality, but then go back and rest in their comfort in the status quo of the 60s. Why? Because I need to shake you out of your ambivalence. It ain't nothing like the truth to do some shaking. So if I am... And I want you to put yourself in the position of the white journalist who is all who's well-meaning, like he has the best intentions. Right. Uh, let's assume that. And because let's assume you do. Right. Let's assume I do. I have the best intentions. And someone is trying to tell me the truth. But I can't hear him because oh, you're coming a little strong there. But what are they saying? Because I don't want to miss what they're saying. Because I'm so concerned that they're coming a little strong there. What are you telling me? Because I need the benefits of the truth. And what I and you need to have right now, what we need to decide on this episode here is to have an a priori commitment to receiving the instruction of the truth, because to do otherwise is to be a fool, according to the book of Proverbs, because the fool is the one who does not heed instruction. And I don't want to be that. There was a, um, I remember one time I was, uh, I was at work. We all know that, you know, for the last 20, 25 years, 30 years, probably two things you can't bring up at work are religion and politics. And I was at work. And of course we were discussing that because forget all that, <laughs> but no, um, somebody made the comment, like, you know, it's funny. They say you can't discuss religion and politics at work. We do fine. Right. We we're fine with it. And we were all of different political and religious uh sways, if you will. And a guy in our group said something so interesting. He said there was a study, and I didn't, I didn't ask him what the study was, so I'm sorry I can't give it to you, but he said there was a study done that found that actually the rule to not discuss politics and religion at work does more harm than good. He said that the study showed that because of us not talking about it, We actually leave off a very, very big avenue toward diversity in the workplace by staying silent on it. And we go back and we inculcate to our communities and we kind of like, you know, double down in our in our tribes where everyone thinks the same and everyone like kind of believes the same. And at length, because we haven't discussed religion or politics outside with anyone who differs from us because we can't talk about it at work. So, you know we're going to talk about it except for these communities that tend to think like us. What happens is guess what? It has now hurt the discussion because now people no longer know how to disagree anymore. And I thought that was so powerful. And this is why we need to get out of our feelings because if we're in our feelings, then we're going to feel justified by staying within our tribe, staying within our community, refusing to engage anyone who feels differently, refusing to listen to any argument that doesn't sound like the one we grew up listening to. And we're going to miss the benefits of the truth. Well, Carl, I know the truth. I know that my community was speaking that truth. They was like laying on those facts. Okay. But let me challenge you here to tell you this. What if the truth is so broad what if it's so big? What if it's so wonderful that that you only have elements of it, actually? That you have pieces of the truth and perhaps all your pieces are, in fact, truth. There's no lie in them. But what if you're missing a perspective of the truth? What if there is an element that you have not considered? What if there is a vantage point that changes the color? What if there is? is a vantage point that changes the application of said truth. You're not going to hear it because you're in your feelings. So in the same vein as missing the benefits of truth, uh, this is kind of like a part two to part one. So this is part 1.5. And I wasn't going to put this in the episode, but this is so very important. I want you to hear this beloved, really, really hear this. Do not be the kind of person who family and friends cannot just like exist around you and be themselves around you and tell the truth to you. Because anytime they say something that's going to implicate your feelings or that's going to, you know, paint you in a not so, you know, magnificent or, you know, splendid light that you're just now you got a whole situation going on. And now, you know, it's now we got to stop the party. We got to stop the show because now your feelings done got pricked and now everything is up in the air and everything is in jeopardy. Don't don't be that kind of person because you're missing the love. You're missing the laughs, you're missing relationships. You are literally missing people when you decide to do that. I do want you to know it is a decision. <laughs> you can decide to be offended and oftentimes that's what you are deciding to do. And just as an example, you know, let's say you and your friend are out And your friend had a bad day the other week and they just, you know, being your friend, just want to share with you what happened and, you know, whatever case may be. And they're telling the story and they're, hey, X, Y and Z happened. And then I went to work and this happened. And oh, it didn't happen when I called you later. And you you said this and that or you didn't react this and that way. And then and you like, hold up. Wait, what? Why are you blaming me? And, you know, whoa, see this, this. I hope you I hope you just caught that. You were implicated. The story that they were telling didn't paint you in the most positive light. And now the show has to stop. And now the conversation was about them and their bad day, but now it's not about them and their bad day. It's about you because they just said something about you. And now the whole thing got to shut down because you. Beloved, no, no, just no. I have met people. (laughs) I know people now who whenever you say anything about anything that they've done or that they've been or that they've said or that they've acted, if it's not positive, the re- reaction is, oh, I'm the bad guy. Um, I wasn't, you know, this is not a James Bond movie, but you know, <laughs> we ain't perfect. So some things, sometimes we occupy the place of the bad guy in a minor sense, maybe in a medium or major sense sometimes but guess what if I can't just tell you the truth like yeah no that wasn't that was kind of whack or yeah that wasn't the greatest but anyway if I can't do that and move on if we can't just you know just be like dang that's crazy my bad or let's you let's say you like (laughs) I mean you try it wasn't that bad all right whatever I mean listen I'm not trying to do that anyway I'm just trying to tell you about how I had a bad day you're that thing you did or didn't do, that was just one element. So we, it ain't even that serious. But when we start talking about the, oh, well, you know, I'm the bad guy now. Now you're catching feelings because they didn't paint you in the way you would like to be painted. But this not your story, sis. This is not your story, bro. We got to do better. We can't be that person because we're missing the love. Now those people are going to start to be like, you know what? we can't, we can't talk, we can't talk about this with them. This is how distance starts to, you know, happen between people where it's like, it's, it's, that's who you are. And I, I'm not going to disrespect you. Like, I'm not going to keep, I'm not going to disrespect myself. Like, if you can't take the truth, I'm just not going to mention my day like that no more. Because what if I say something? What if, what if I implicate you in some way? What if I paint you in a way that's not to your liking? And I'm just really just trying to be honest. I'm just trying to talk here. And now it's a whole like production on Broadway because God forbid somebody like, you know, poke you in the fields. But we got to do better than that. This is the social media situation all over again. That was the first episode. How have we become so cynical? A lot of that is seen on social media where, You know, somebody say something. Oh, I like a blue shirt. Somebody in a comment. Blue shirts are terrible. I had four blue shirts. They all got ripped. Okay, but that's not their situation. Maybe you got it from a different store. Like calm down, (laughs) you know, like. What kind of people do you think are going to be in your life? When you operate like that now, I hope nobody does, but just in a rhetorical sense, think about that. Who wants to deal with that? I don't, you don't even, the people who like that don't want to deal with that. So we're going to do better than that for sure. The second reason we need to get out of our feelings is because if we don't, we are going to run the risk. And I would say that we are definitely eventually going to miss opportunities. I want you to understand that there is a certain level of operation that people operate at. In every industry, there is a popular level and then there is just kind of the cream of the crop. There is, these are the top performers. These are the people who are excellent in their operation. And I want you to understand, and some of you do understand this, honestly, like these people operate in a different way because they realize it's actually not about my feelings. It's about putting out the best product possible. It's about being the best kind of person I can be. And there's a there's a certain level of writer, there's a certain level of actor, there's a certain level of professional where you know when they're workshopping their writing, be brutal. I don't want you to be nice. I don't want you to be I don't want you to be sweet. I want you to tear this up as much as reality will allow you to because I want this to be the best piece of writing that it can be because they understand that jewels are not made with nicety. They're made with heat and pressure. So I need you to tell me everything that's wrong. I need you to be very blunt with it. Come down the street. Don't walk, but run because I need to know what's going on here. There's a certain level of excellence that requires you to make it not about you, not about the way you feel, not about the way you think, not about what you agree with, but what is the goal? And this goes back to, this goes back to arguing. Um, we had a, a episode on blessed to argue. Go back and listen to that. And if you've listened to it already, good. I want you to keep that in mind when I say this. If there is no goal, then what are we doing? And this is how you can become better at arguing when you realize what's important is the goal it's what's actually important is not about how i feel right now we can talk about that later what's the goal here and if you are so pressed about well i don't like the way you said that or i just don't like the way that impacted me if you cannot put that aside then you can't operate on that level so you don't want to miss any opportunities You don't want to miss any. And if I am constantly thinking about who slighted me, if I am constantly thinking about how I feel and how that impacted me, then I am not going to be able to do the thing and reach the goal because the truth is that the goal doesn't care. Someone said, uh, I think it was Warren Buffett who said, the stock doesn't care that you have $100 And it It doesn't care that you invested your life savings in it. The market could care less that you put a hundred thousand or a hundred million. It's going to do what it's going to do. And I want you to understand that at a certain point, if you're trying to get somewhere, if you're trying to do something, it's not going to come and talk to you and, you know, hear about all the things that have happened to you. It is going to keep moving and you have to keep moving in order to apprehend it. And if you are too busy nursing slights and wounds and this and that, then you won't get there. And I love stories like the story of RGB and particularly women in those in those places because she didn't have to say it. She did, you know, when people, because people would ask her. <laughs> um, and even the way she would talk about it, you could tell like she had just developed this, tough skin but you could tell like rgb didn't get to supreme court by changing the way people spoke to her she changed the way people spoke to her by getting to the supreme court and thereby changed the way the whole industry would talk to other women because she's at the supreme court but it was, she didn't get there by saying, oh, you going to talk to me? No, she had to deal with some misogyny while she was getting there. And if she would have stopped because I, I can't take this misogyny, she would have never got there. And this is the same with with all of us. But I mean, you know, somebody who like, you know, was a woman in the 60s trying to get to the Supreme Court was a whole different thing. Right. Um, but it's Whatever, you can have a thousand excuses as to why you don't like, you know, the way that get out of your feelings. You want you want to get there or you want to you want to nurture feelings? Because I promise you, if you get there. The feelings won't won't matter as much. And even the way R.G.B. spoke about it, you could tell it was just like, you know, idiot, (laughs) not she didn't say that, but it was just like, yo, these guys were, you know, they were kind of tools. And whatever, like, I don't have time to think about it because I don't care like that. Like, you know, hopefully they got better. If not, whatever. You know, I'm I'm here now talking to you and, you know, let's talk about some, some subst- substantive stuff. I want you to get there. I want to get there. And if we're going to do that, we have to be able to get out of our feelings because the feelings ain't going to take us there. The truth, not out to take you there. So in closing, I really want to provide a solution that I came to as a solution anyway and this might not work for everyone but it has worked for me Um, and I I would say try it if nothing else is working for you honestly when it comes to getting out of your feelings you need to be blunt and I do mean with yourself see people think of bluntness as you're being blunt with other people but you're only being blunt with other people because you're blunt with yourself as it is with everything the reason why you are probably very, very nice to other people is because you're very, very nice to yourself. Stop being so nice to yourself and be very blunt with yourself. Because again, we want to operate on this level of excellence. So when you don't do something that you should have done, or you said you were going to do, don't do that thing where you say, well, you know, I was tired and oh, you know, uh, you know. no, yo, I'm tripping. <laughs> I'm tripping because I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it. Yo, I'm not doing that again because that's nonsense. Boom. And guess what? You will teach yourself how to handle it by doing that to yourself. So when someone else does it to you, you're going to be like, oh, bet you right. Because that's the truth. I mean, this is, and this is what I mean, be blunt. This is the truth. It's not that you were tired. That's an excuse. You didn't do it because... You failed to do what you said you were gonna do, period. And here's the thing, all that excuses might make for like an interesting story. You know, it might make a very colorful and a very nice package for us to lean back on and a very, you know, warm pillow for us to sink back into. But first of all, you're not gonna get where you wanna go doing that. And second of all, you're lying to yourself. Stop lying. You didn't do what you said you were gonna do. And guess what? You can still love yourself. You can still be kind to yourself because, yes, the truth is you were tired. So what you got to do? Okay, boom. I was tired. That's not an excuse. I didn't do what I said I was going to do. What I'm going to do next time is do it anyway. But how can I make it so that I'm not tired when I need to be doing stuff? So you see how that works now? You the truth is going to set you free. And that's going to do it for today's episode. My brothers and my sisters, I hope you found a lot of value in today's episode. And I want to encourage you to do the work of getting out of your own way. How about you start? How about we start with getting out of our feelings? I want to say in closing that getting out of your feelings is not a substitute for boundaries and respect and all that other stuff. We'll cover that in some other episodes later down the road, but I want you to be happy. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be spiritually well in Jesus name. I'll see you guys in the next episode.